In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, I have to tell you something today about myself that may come as a little bit of a surprise to many of you. Uh, I, I guess I don't know for sure. Maybe some of you saw it in me already, but I think for most of you it will be a surprise. You see, most of you here today, you know me as a what? What am I to you? Pastor, right? Uh, you know me as a pastor, and that is one of the titles I hold. It's something I see when I look in the mirror each morning. Uh, but I have another title. You see, I'm, I'm a pastor, uh, but I'm something else. I'm also a king. Uh, I don't know if you saw this in me. Uh, I don't mean to ruffle any feathers here today, but I am. I am a king, and uh, so often I wear, uh, I wear a crown. I'm a king. I, I'm royalty. At least I live like it sometimes. Uh, I live like royalty. I, I live like I'm the boss, like I'm in charge, like all of you and everyone around me is just there to do my bidding. I, I live, I, I want to live as if I set the agenda and I get to play by my own rules and I get to live according to my own timeline. I'm a king. At least I act like it. Uh, I wish that wasn't true. I wish I could tell you today that I didn't live like royalty, but I, uh, when I'm honest with myself, I, I know it's true. I see it in myself, in the, the anger that boils just below the surface when I wait in line at the grocery store and things aren't moving according to my timetable. People just don't get it, the, the hurry that their king is in. I, I see it in myself in the way that I evaluate and judge people when I meet them for the first time based on what they can offer and give to me their king. I, I hear it in myself, in that little voice inside my head that justifies all sorts of behaviors and, and thoughts, the, the, the voice that tells me that it's okay to be greedy and jealous because there are things in life that I deserve, and it's okay to be angry or to hold on to hatred because people have wronged me, and so I deserve to feel that way. I wish it wasn't true, but, but all too often, I live like a king. I act like royalty, and I'm guessing that maybe you do too sometimes. Uh, the truth is, I, I think we all live like queens and kings of our lives. We all like to be in charge. We like to call the shots. We like to be the boss. We like things to move according to our timelines. And there are certain things in life that we think that we deserve. We all live like royalty sometimes. And if that's the case, or maybe... Because that's the case for so many of us, at least some of the time, we were in for a rude awakening today. Because in today's gospel reading, you may not have noticed it or not, you may not have thought about it this way, but we were confronted with the true king. You see, in God's kingdom, there's only one royalty, there's only one king, and there can be no other. And we heard a lot about that king today in, in the long passage we had. We, we read about our king, Jesus. You see, from the moment that Jesus stepped onto the scene and started preaching and teaching and doing things, his, his assertion was that he was the king. Uh, the first words in, in the gospel that we're reading from, from the gospel of, of Mark, were, repent for the kingdom of God is here. Jesus was asserting that he was the king and he had come to reign and rule over his people. Now, at first, when King Jesus shows up onto the scene, people receive him well. Uh, they're happy to have a king because the people of Israel in Jesus' time knew that they needed one. They were being led by the, the pagan Gentile Roman leaders and that was not good. It was not how they thought that it should be. They knew that 
that they hadn't been following the law and they needed someone, a king, a strong king who would lead the people to observe God's commands. They knew that they needed a king who would usher in proper worship in the temple because even that was all screwed up. And, and so the people needed a king. They knew that. And when Jesus appears, they're happy to receive him as one. And so last week, if you were with us, we read from chapter 1 of Mark's gospel, and everything was great. Crowds of people were coming to Jesus. Do you remember that? He, he healed them. He, he, he cast out the demons. He cleansed the lepers. He preached the most amazing sermons. No one had ever heard Jesus preach with such authority before. People were happy to have this king on the scene. But, but now we turn the page, and now it's chapter 2. And the longer that people have spent with Jesus and the more time they, they spend around him, the more problems that King Jesus is causing for them. At first it was great, but now, now Jesus is challenging them. King Jesus is confronting them. Their, their king is not at all what they expected him to be. In chapter 1, he's healing and he's preaching. But now in chapter 2, we read about these three different scenes from Jesus' life. And in each one of the scenes, King Jesus confronts the people and causes all sorts of problems for their hearts and lives. In, in the first scene, it was because Jesus forgave a man. Do you remember that scene? There was the man, Jesus was teaching in a home, and it was so crowded that, there, that this man's friends let him in through the roof. Now, people were happy in chapter 1 to have Jesus merely heal people. But Jesus, his first word to the man isn't a word of healing, right? It was a word of forgiveness. And that was scandalous to the people. Because by forgiving this man, Jesus was lifting himself above the rest of them. He was equating himself with God. Because who else could forgive sins except for God alone? And that seemed to be just a little bit too much for Jesus. King Jesus had taken things a little bit too far for them. He was confronting their notions of who he should be and how he should act. And then in the next scene, we have this beautiful scene. I think it's a, an awesome scene of, of Jesus welcoming in and accepting all sorts of people, the outcasts of his day. Uh, in our day, the, the people that Jesus is eating with and welcoming, they would be the, the sleazy salesmen, the, the loan sharks, the prostitutes of our day. These are the people that Jesus is eating with. He's welcoming them in. They were sinners. They were unclean in the eyes of the world. But Jesus has a special place for them. And one of the outcasts, Matthew, who was a tax collector who would have been seen as the traitorous enemy, Jesus even not only welcomes Matthew in, but empowers him, gives him a special spot as one of the 12 apostles. <laughs> Again, this was scandalous. King Jesus had taken things too far. He was causing all sorts of, of problems. The more time they spent with Jesus, the more he challenged them. And then in the last scene that was laid before us, we had all of this talk about fasting, or, or more precisely, Jesus and his disciples' lack of fasting. People were scandalized by the fact that King Jesus was living like a lawless pagan Gentile. He wasn't living like a good Jewish king should. He was flaunting his lawlessness, it seemed, and, and this caused all sorts of problems for the people. Uh, the people's reaction to Jesus today uh, it's changed the more time they spend with him. I, I think it's kind of like, here's one way to think about it, and bear with me here for a second. I, I hope you see what I mean. Uh, the reaction that Jesus gets might be how we treat and react to a personal trainer. Uh, I don't know if you've ever been to see a personal trainer. I do not have much experience. I think I went to see a personal trainer once when I signed up at the Y for a free lesson like uh, a million years ago. 
so, so I, I'm not, not an expert, maybe you are, but I, I think most people go to see a personal trainer unless you're being forced to go by the doctor or something. You go with maybe some fear, but probably also some excitement because you're ready to get in shape. Uh, maybe it's a New Year's resolution and you want to get fit or you want to slim down, whatever it is, and now you have a personal trainer, right? Someone who is there for you personally to teach you things you didn't know, someone who will motivate you and encourage you, get, get you going, someone who will kind of fill in your gaps and, and, and show you the way. And, and maybe the first time you meet with a trainer, it's all of that. They're listening to you, they're taking notes, they're telling you that you can do it, that you're going to reach your goals, you're going to get fit or slim down, whatever it is. Uh, you're learning new things and you have this personal servant who's there to help you. Uh, but then one day, what usually happens, uh, maybe it's like two, three, four, five sessions and you find yourself on the ground in this gym in a pool of sweat and you don't know if it's yours or someone else's and you're trying not to throw up and there's someone over you, standing above you, yelling at you, right? Telling you that you can't stop now. Five more reps uh, and, and then you'll be done. And you're wondering to yourself, like, what happened here? <laughs> this is not what I thought it was going to be. I thought they were my servant, right? They were going to do what I told them to do. But now it's clear who the boss the more time you spend with that trainer, it's not all sunshine and roses. They are confronting you, aren't they? They're, they're challenging you. They're pushing you. They've caused all sorts of problems for you. You did not think it would be like this. This seems to be the reaction that Jesus gets today. Uh, at first, everything was great. Jesus was doing all of the things people expected him to do. He healed them. He preached these sermons of love and, and grace. But now all of that has changed. Now his forgiveness of his message of forgiveness, it, it confronts the people. Uh, it doesn't sound like good news. It sounds like condemnation. It sounds like Jesus is judging them in their sin. In his acceptance and his welcome, it doesn't sound like a beautiful thing. It, it sounds scandalous. It's an affront to their sensibilities. And, and, and Jesus' freedom, the way of freedom from the law that he has set forth before them, to those who had obeyed, it sounds like lawlessness, King Jesus, over time, the more time people spent with him, the more he challenged them, the more problems he created. That was true 2,000 years ago, but I think it's true for us. <laughs> you know, at first, when you, when you come to meet Jesus, maybe it was as a child for you, for many of us it was, at first everything's so nice, right? We, we read the Bible stories, it all makes sense, it all fits together. We hear about love, Jesus does these nice things, he's always so nice to people and he, he does these miracles, he wows us. But I, I think what many of us have realized that is that the more time you spend with Jesus, the more he challenges you, the more he confronts you, the, the more it seems to bring problems into your life that you didn't have before Jesus. And if you've never experienced this, uh, just wait. Jesus will challenge you at some point in your life. There's no avoiding it. Uh, the way he challenges us will be different for each of us. Right? So I, I was thinking this week, we're, we're just beginning today, our, our 10 for 10 generosity challenge. And for some of you, <clears throat> uh, that's easy. Well, maybe not easy, but you hear the call to live more generously and it makes sense to you and you want to do it. But for others of us, that's a, that's a real big challenge. And what we want to say to Jesus is, Jesus, hands off. Keep your hands out of our pockets. Our money is our money. We'll give you what we think you deserve. And that's, that's hard. So, so some of us will be challenged financially with, with a generous heart. Jesus will push us. He'll create problems in that way. Uh, for others of us, we'll be challenged maybe by what Jesus has to say when it comes to his extreme sexual ethic. 
Uh, what Jesus says about those matters is so countercultural, bringing two people together for a lifetime. It goes everything against what our, our world today celebrates. And, and for some of you, that will just be natural. It'll come easy. But for other people, it will be a challenge. It will push some people away. It will invite all sorts of problems into their life. For some people, uh, who Jesus spends time with will be a challenge. It will confront us, right? We heard about today. He spends time with the least and the lost. And some of us, we like spending time with people who are like us and who bless us and have something to offer us. But Jesus says we are to spend time with the outcasts, that we are to live a life of sacrificial service, uh, seeing what we can give rather than what we can take from other people. And that will be hard because we have comfortable lives and we're comfortable with the friend groups that we have and who Jesus spends time with, who he calls us to serve amongst. That will be really really hard. The more time you spend with Jesus, I promise you, the more he will challenge you, the more problems will come into your life. But the problem is not with Jesus, is it? <laughs> it never, never is. No, the problem is with us. The problem is that you and I are living like royalty <laughs> and we are determined to hold on to our crowns. The problem is we have anointed ourselves into a position that we were never meant to handle. And as long as we insist on wearing our crowns, the beautiful message of forgiveness and acceptance and welcome and freedom that Jesus will speak to us, as long as we wear our crowns, it will always sound like condemnation. It will be a scandal. It will sound like lawlessness who have tried so hard to believe. As long as we live like royalty, Jesus will cause us problems. But we don't have to live that way, do we? <laughs> See, dear friends, if we're able to take off of our crowns and unanoint ourselves, if, if we can stop living like royalty and instead bow down before Jesus, if we can simply trust in his reign and his rule, we will see that our King Jesus is exactly the king that we need, the one that we could never be, but the one who gives us so many good things, the one who has forgiveness for you, not condemnation, the one who welcomes you in, just as we read about today with acceptance and love, the one who has a way forward for you, not of lawlessness, but of freedom and of grace. When I was, uh, when I was a kid, uh, this didn't happen very often. It was usually a special treat, but my, my parents would take us to get Burger King. We had a Burger King right by our house, and it was a special treat to go there. And every time we did, I, I didn't want my parents to pick it up and bring it back home, and I didn't want to drive through the drive-thru. I wanted to go inside the Burger King. Do you know why? Because you get your crown, right? I'm assuming they still do this. Uh, I haven't been to inside Burger King for, for a while, but I'm, I'm assuming they still have them. Not, not all that different than, than this, right? A little cardboard crown. And I, I loved to pretend like I was the king and wear that crown around. But it was just that, right? It was just pretend. Wearing that cardboard crown did not give me any extra special power and authority that I didn't have before. It was just pretend. Brothers and sisters, how about we stop pretending like we're royalty? And instead, how about we trust in the true King Jesus, the one who gives us and the one who is exactly who we need, the one who comes with forgiveness for all of our sins, the one who welcomes us despite where we've been and what we've done, the one who has a way forward for us of freedom and grace. It is so good to live with King Jesus. In his name, amen.